0: Oh, yes, nice Sunday morning. Weather doesn't feel bad out there at all, does it? Nice day. Where is everything heading to? Where it is all going? What 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 is the meaning of all this, right? What's the destiny? What's the ultimate destiny of our lives and everything about it, right? We have now come to the crux and the very center of what life is. Eternal life. What life is all about. That's in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation. I mean, we are at the max here in this chapter. And we know that's pointing to Christ coming back, and that's true, but that's still not the ultimate. And you say, what? No, it's being in the eternal state, being with God, being right in His presence Seeing Him as He is, being like Christ, ultimately, that is where it's all headed. That is the plan of God of where all of this is about. All you're going through in life, what you've gone through, what you are now, it's all pointing to something that really counts. It's all in front of us. Um, God has had a plan for us from the foundations of the world. He's always had that. Um, This is the most supreme time of life. We've entered into physical life and our lives will continue for eternity. I don't think a lot of people understand that, but that is true. Whether one believes Christ or not, or whether one does not believe, They are made for eternity, one without Christ and without God, the other one with and in the very presence of Him. We will be glorified holy beings as Christ is, children of God. We've been in some tough passages, I will admit, as we have been studying some very heavy stuff dealing with the matter of hell and the horrors of hell A lot of people don't like that subject, but the fact of the matter is, it is true. It is genuine, and uh, we don't always like to spend a lot of time on it, but it's real. God gave it to us, and I would think that it would drive people to know who He is, or at least wonder about what is in the afterlife, what happens after this. Um last week we talked about the unbelievers of all of history of mankind before the great white throne of God the eternal judgment and they're sentenced to the eternal lake of fire. We covered that. We've already seen where the beast and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire. Then Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. And then all the people who do not believe in God are thrown into the lake of fire. Death and Hades, sin, they give it up, and it goes into the lake of fire. We are at an extreme opposite position. The most glorious, brilliant doctrine of heaven. And it is one of the most glorious doctrines that you could ever study in all of the history of man. And we are looking at probably one of the best passages, if not the best, as far as all put together in one about the glory of God and our glorious state with Him from here on out. Two chapters of this and uh I will tell you i can 't wait to get all into that because it really has to be my favorite subject because this is where we 're headed and if you always are uh thinking that you 're on a journey you 're on a trip, sometimes yeah you know things seem like it takes forever it 's just going to go forever and go through some tough times. You might have to go through some storms on that trip and really use those windshield wipers. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You still know where you're going and I'm going to get there, right? Well, through the thoughts of what God has given us, we know we're going to get to heaven. Uh, the Most people have a conception of an afterlife. Uh, a lot of them think, okay, you die and then that's it. And that's just fine with them. Others like to think a little more positive. You die and then you go to heaven. And uh, what is like heaven like? And they can't tell you compared to the Word of God. They will compare to what they think it is. And they use their own thoughts and uh, songs. I've always used that analogy of the Beatles song uh, that I hate so much called Imagine. Imagine that there is no heaven. Imagine there is no hell. No, I can't imagine that because that is not biblical at all. And, of course, the the individual who wrote that, John Lennon. uh, It was a nice, catchy tune. And I didn't even know what it said whenever I was a kid. And I even played the song and didn't even think about it at all. Just some kind of utopia, you know. And uh, it was more than that. It was man-made kind of heaven. A man-made utopia is always going to fall far short of what God's heaven is about, which He has revealed, He's given to us. There's no use to imagine, even though there is imagination. We, we, we're not going to get all of this. He gives us just a, a glimpse at heaven. I feel privileged to have a glimpse of heaven that He's given us here in 21 and 22, because it's much more than I can even handle. But I sure love to delve into it and every time I do my thoughts I pray get deeper on who God is and it's about him it's not so much the place as it is him but where he is comes along all the blessings that go with that and boy I'll tell you it is really going to be something folks i can't I, I don't i i can't I can't tell you how excited I am about it I'm sure you can see that I am but um People have eternity in their hearts. Everybody has some kind of a thought of things could be better. And they have a utopia. A thought that here's how it would be. And of course some, the best that they can get is they get to go out and go fishing all the rest of their lives. And that's all they want to do. Or go hunting or play baseball in the... uh, Field of dreams, and uh, you know uh, all the sports activities, or just be at peace. And some would be playing music all the time. And everybody has that yearn, though, for a perfect world. That's why the world is doing what it's doing. Let's have a one world. Let's get everything together. Let's put man's thoughts, the elite of the world, and we can come up with the greatest world that's ever been here. We're going to get there. And we'll take care of the climate. And we'll take care of everything that needs to be, and we can all be in unison together once we get out the people that disagree with us. And so, therefore, that would be a perfect world for the liberal thought, the ultra-liberal, the uh, the ones who are uh, would be socialistic, uh, all the things that go with that. They yearn, though, for that perfect world. It's a shame that they really don't know that God has already designed this perfect world. And their world will never be perfect and they they might see some of that uh, what that means in uh, a a certain amount of time. We do want a, a better place, don't we? I think everybody would want a better place. The two chapters that we have here before us in 21 and 22 reveal more about heaven as far as stacked together in one place than in any other area in all the Bible. But that's not to say there's not very much in the Bible about heaven because there's like 550 times where heaven is mentioned or something of that nature. Most of our understanding uh, of heaven though It's going to come right in this section. And God just nails it so detailed that I'm so thankful that He gave this to... He didn't have to. He could have left us hanging and said, we have a kingdom coming and it's going to be glorious and I'm on the throne and uh, that would be it. And you know what? That would be a great understanding because most people don't even get that. But He says, no, I'm going to tell you what your new home is going to be like and uh you know we we've probably all have moved to different homes and you know we kind of look forward to the move that we had not necessarily the moving the stuff there but getting into this new place and uh to be honest with you I hope that I never have to move <laughs> physically again I just as soon just not do that anymore I've done that I've had my share and so when the lord takes me and then we get this eternal state that we're talking about. Thank the Lord! I don't even take anything with me—not even not a bag, not not even you know whatever he takes me as. He's going to give me a brand new body and brand new clothes. You know, I don't have to worry about a thing, and he's going to get me there. What a moving van service he's got! Uh, I'll tell you, it is going to be beautiful. Uh, I long for this eternal place. I really don't uh, get too excited about this world anymore. I don't really look forward to a lot of things. You know, that's not to say, hey, I'm giving up and I shouldn't be excited. I, I like things. you know. I, I certainly like to come here once a week, twice a week, really, and, and be with God's people. and It edifies me. and edifies us all when we do that. But more than that, we're praising God with His people. Um, God is with us. We know that. We don't see that's the thing. This place, God is there. And that's the place we long to be because of that. 1 John chapter uh, 3, first 2, verse says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. I want you to check this out. See this manner of love that God has given us. Uh, what's he talking about? That we should be called children of God. Wow. And such we are. For this reason, the world doesn't know us. They don't understand us. We've got our veils on, like the the bride, because it didn't know Him. Beloved, He calls us, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We haven't seen that, have we? We know when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him just as He is. That's the attraction of heaven. The throne is going to be splendid. All those beautiful stones its going to be splendid. The streets of gold, whatever all that means, it's great. But it's this. We will see Him. We've always heard that no one... Sees God. You'll die. But here it says we shall see Him. Blessed are the ones who are merciful. Blessed are the ones who are pure. Remember all the Beatitudes? There's a reason. They shall see God. is exciting. Can you think of anything more important than that? I will see. There will be no more veil. No more distance between us and God. The veil is kind of there. It's still kind of mysterious, isn't it? We still shall see God even right, you know what, you are at your best spiritually when you dwell on those kind of thoughts when am I at my best when you're dwelling upon heaven and being with God, that is your ultimate, when you're thinking those thoughts, you can't be any higher than that, says in Colossians 3, 2 and this is talking about right now set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died. That's already past tense, spiritually. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Dead spiritually, then we come alive. We're alive spiritually. Your life, that eternal life, is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Where did that come from? Out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. What did it say? Set your mind on these things. Uh, our little bible study it started out we used to sing that song i don't think you'll hear it, you'll find it on the internet it was something that we wrote we didn't really write it it just came from the scripture there as is and we made it fit somehow into a tune and fit with chords i can't even remember how it goes but i can tell you that was a favorite verse of ours so it still is isn't it So the best place we can be right now, this moment, this second, is to seek the mind of God and the most glorious passage of the new heavens and the new earth dwelling on these thoughts in our soon-to-be eternal home. I can't think of anything better to be thinking about and dwelling on. Can you guys? I think this is the ultimate. Well, the ultimate is when we're really there. But here on earth, this is where we can be at our best. Let's pray. Lord great God, You've set before us a plate full. A plate full that is so exciting. We get to taste the good things of God, the things that are of real value. They're eternal. It's about you and what your life is all about. You've already given that to us. we trusted in you and you put that into our hearts. We do have new life. And Lord, as we go through this passage, which I know that I can't even begin to really bring up the color that is involved, the brilliance, the radiance that you have in this text, Lord, let your words speak to each individual. I know that my... uh, Language that I put forth is going to fall far short of describing this. And let Your Word just do that as I attempt to help our thoughts go toward You. And it is certainly glorious, Lord. I don't even deserve to have the privilege of being able to read this, much less try to help us have a a better thought on You and our new home. May Your Holy Spirit guide us into this wonderful truth. Amen. Uh, Wow. Let's take the first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there's no longer any sea. The universe is destroyed. That's basically what what this verse is dealing with at first. You remember that we looked at the great white throne judgment last week, and it said in chapter 20, verse 11, that I saw a great white throne and Him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. No place was found for the uh, the old heavens and the old earth. It was burned up. Uh, well, I'll give just a slight review on this not spend a lot of time on it but this is the old earth the old heavens like that's just above us you know in the universe I'm not talking about God in the place that where he is at but it they're burned up the elements are in second Peter 3 the elements it says are burned up there Um... This is quite incredible to think that what we know of today will never be here again. That's good. Because it has to go. Uh, you ever heard of uh, a law of science? Is it the law of thermodynamics? Um, things actually are, are getting worse. They're decaying, they're burning, they're going down, aren't they? Science tells us that. Um, that being the case, we see what eventually will happen. We've read this before, I know we looked into it last week. Second Peter three, but the day of the Lord verse ten will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away. There we go. There it says it again. I'm not making it up, I'm trying to get my own opinion here. It'll go with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. And they will be destroyed, loosened, luo, out there, gone. Never to return ever again. Well, that's Second that's Peter. Here we have it in Revelation 20. Here we have it in Revelation 21. That's three texts and that's usually good enough. That's three witnesses. Okay, let's go back to the Old Testament because you can say, well, that's just the New Testament. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Whenever I say, you say, you're probably going, I'm not saying that. And you're probably not. Why do I say that? I, I make a straw man, don't I? That's usually what I mean whenever I say that. I'm going, yeah, I, I know you're not arguing against me here or against God's Word, which is really more important, isn't it, really? Um, in in uh, Isaiah, what I say? 52, verse 1. Awake, awake. Clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion, Jerusalem. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up, O captive Israel. Loose yourself from the chains around your neck, O captive daughter of of Zion. Uh, And Clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments. And he talks about Jerusalem, the holy city. And so Jerusalem is definitely uh, in, involved in that. And actually, I jumped way ahead because we're talking about Jerusalem and the Holy City, which is is coming up. We need to be dealing with the new heavens and the new earth. So uh, Psalm 102, verse 25, and this will give you a little bit more depth on on that. Uh, I think it the setting there will make make sense two twenty five and 26. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. There's his creation. Even they will perish, but you endure his creation. All the work of his hands, they'll perish. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed that earlier is what we were talking about in the Isaiah passage put on your clothes and of course that's a, you know you can take that as a spiritual connotation but here you see it extend out more uh in Nehemiah chapter 11 Ezra Nehemiah just before the Psalms of course you have Job and Nehemiah 11:1 says Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the You know what? I keep running across... I need to go to Job. Sorry. I am... Yeah, I, Carolyn just said I'm scattered. Job 15.15. 15. I keep going back to another passage that we'll be dealing with later, but I guess we don't have to now since we've turned there already. Behold, He puts no trust in His holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in His sight. Do you catch that? The universe, the earth, has been contaminated. It is not pure. Now, everything that He created was good. But there was a fall of angels, the demons that we know of, Satan, and the fall of man. And you know what that means? It means that it's no longer pure. And contamination, decay, there's been an unraveling, a decaying. And God has to wipe it out. And that's what He will do. It's a guarantee. A lot of people can't imagine that. But see, there has to be room made for the new heavens and new earth displaces all the pollution and the contamination, corruption, and destroyed... Uh, Isaiah 65, 17, we went there last week. Isaiah 66, verse 22, speaks about the new heavens and new earth. Isaiah extended it all the way out to this time that we're looking at here in Revelation. As John says, new heaven, new earth. Now, when you hear the word new, what do you think of? New heavens, new earth. The word there is uh kinos, K-A-I-N-O-S, if you were to transliterate that and put it in English. It's a Greek word, and what does that mean? So you can uh, tell the difference between uh, new and this kind of new. This new is different. It's fresh. It has a quality about it. It is much better. It's fresher. It's new. You have a car. it's your old car. It may only only two or three years old, but it's your old car because you've driven it for a while, and all the newness has gone. You ever experienced that, <laughs> and it starts to have troubles. So what do you do? You go out and get a new car. And you know what? New cars are pretty good. Now, I've never really, I don't really know what that really means, but they say there's a new, fresh smell in new cars. I've ridden in people's new cars before, and it smells new. It's fresh. It's different. This car is different, but it's still a car, and it's a car that's like my other car, but my other car is old, and in my thoughts, it's gone. It's no longer around. It's not in my driveway, it's out of here. That's what I wanted to do to my last truck. My Ford <laughs> 150, F-150, which I now have another F-150. and. That F-150 that I sold is still across the street, and every time I back out, that <laughs> F-150 is still there. It's incredible. But I'll tell you what, that F-150 is now a lot better than I ever had. Matter of fact, it looks kind of new. He did a lot of work on it. He saw the possibilities that he could do or get done with it, and it really, it's almost like, wow, I wish I had that again. But that's that's my old truck, and I have another one, and my new truck is with which after a few years here is not very new. But it was new to me. It was different. And it did what it was supposed to do. And so therefore, you get the idea of new, right? It's different um, in quality. Uh, The heavens will have no more storms, tempest, winds, thunder... There'll be no godlessness there. Of course, no sin because it says the first heaven, the first earth, they pass away. They're gone. There's no longer any sea. Now that might cause a little problem with people who like to go to the beach and the ocean. (laughs) I like to go to the ocean. Now a lot of people do. There's other people that don't because of the salt and the sand, but that's what I like. It's what Carolyn likes and you know, every great once in a while we will make a long trip and go to the beach. It's not very often, but it is not. Nice. And a lot of people like to do that, don't you? And it's just relaxing and fresh. I'm sure if I did I was there every day that it would probably get kind of tiring. Well, I'd like to check it out. <laughs> but, you know... I'm not so sure exactly what this means. I will give us some thoughts that can help. Uh, there's not going to be the oceans and seas or even the water like what we have now. And you can say, oh, I'd love to go to the lake and, you know, fish or go out on the boat. Hey, fantastic. And I think Randy Alcorn, who wrote a fantastic book on heaven, you ever get a chance to read it, read it. It's just super. It's enlightening. But. Uh, he, uh, I think he loves to fish, so he can't imagine heaven without that. Well, it's, it's t- what, what if it be that way? Uh, okay, well, okay, I'm sure they'll be okay. But as far as he's concerned, why should it change? And I can say I, I don't have any problem with what you have there. But I can say this: it will be different. And um, so, uh, let's get into that for a moment. The fourth of the earth is covered by water, right? Uh, Our bodies are mostly made of water. Uh, Our blood mostly is water. Okay, water's going to be in heaven, right? I I think so. But I don't think it's going to be in that H2O form, in that kind of elements that... We think of. Remember, this is a new heavens and new earth, a different quality. Everything is going to be better. Even the water. I know DNR really gives us good water here in Jeff City. But uh, honestly, uh, it's not perfect. And I hear people calling in a lot about the, the quality of water that they're getting, and it's really bad, or they can't even. Get it? Uh, it's the pressure is horrible. It's everywhere. Get that? Well, we will not have a problem with water, like whether it be a shortage or whatever it is. See, our demand for water in heaven is not going to be like it is now. Um, it's going to be different. So that's what I want you to think about. We depend on water so much, don't we? And we, we've got to have it to live. We've got to drink water. By the way, you know, we can have a tendency to dehydrate ourselves, to forget to drink water. Eventually, we'll we'll think about it and we'll get a glass of tea, you know. It's not the best way to get water. But, it, you know, at least it's something because most of the tea is made of water, but, you know, pure, I mean, just straight water. but they keep telling you if you don't do that, and, and you notice in the last week that if you watched the weather reports at all, they would always tell you, make sure you drink plenty of water, right? Because you don't want to dehydrate. Dehydrate. Your body is like made up of water. And so they will tell you that all the time. And there are warnings and warnings that we get. I even get them in my email at work. And Zach, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody is worried about our health. So they tell you to drink water. And I'm going, well, you know what? That's right. I've got this right here. And I've been drinking it all morning. Though I drink, I don't know, probably a half gallon every day easily. Not more. And, you know, that is something that we, we have to have. Will we have to have water for our bodies in heaven. Well, I will tell you the climate is going to be different. It's going to be perfect. Well, what's that? Well, everybody in this little room right here has different ideas of what cold is and what warm is. We can be a few degrees off, and some of us are cold, and some of us are hot. Now, figure that out. We're human beings. And we've got different temperatures going on. Ask the ladies about that. I'm not so sure how that works. But you guys know what I'm talking about probably. Maybe not. I don't know. But everybody's kind of different. But And you say, well, you know, Revelation 22, it talks about a water of life. Yeah? A water of life streaming down from the throat. What is that? And it talks about a glassy sea. Something resembling it. What is it? I, I, can't, I can't describe it. I'd like to. I could make it up and just say, here's what it means. <laughs> but I can tell you, it's certainly going to be different than the kind of water we know. We have a water cycle. Right? It's incredible. God is the one who made that up. He thought of that. Oh, really? Yeah, everything that's of science, He did that. People just discover that. Oh, it's a fact, right? So you have a water cycle, right? Or you have how about evaporation, distillation, or uh, what you know? Evaporation, distillation. How about condensation? All of that, you know. God gave that, and it's a gift. You know that, that has to be. And Of course, there has to be salt in the sea water. Those are you know. And you look at the science, and you go, well, yeah, it, it has to be for us to be able to live on on this planet, right? Uh, The word in the Greek is thalassa. And it means all forms of water. Sea, ocean, rivers, lakes, streams, creeks, water, well, uh, groundwater. Uh, Water is really important. God made it once and He's made this cycle. We have that same amount of water that we always had. You know, people don't think about that. How does that happen? Well, they, well, you got it in science books. They just don't tell you who started that. The judgment of God was used in the antediluvian world. So, what's antediluvian? That means before the flood. You see there was water and then when the, I mean when the flood came then there was judgment upon the earth and in the earth's crust was water that came up and then there was rain, water that that came down and there's the oceans and the subterranean levels and uh, remember when the swine ran into uh, I mean the demons ran into the sw- uh, the swine and then the swine ran into the water. Kind of resembled a pit, didn't it? You know, boom, you know, they were gone and uh, symbolically, you know, like Christ casting them into the abyss, I guess. We have seen the sea in Revelation. It's not usually put in a good uh, connotation, it's negative. John uh, sees a dragon, an ancient serpent, standing on the sand of the sea. In chapter twelve, seventeen. Yeah, rising from the sea, John saw a beast emerge, having ten horns, seven heads, and resembling a leopard, a bear, and a lion. Daniel seven. Uh, you, you see that uh, the the sea is pictured there as a there's a, a source of relentless evil. That's in Isaiah fifty-seven, twenty. The turbulence and hostile resistance. You see when you see. Uh, Pictures of the ocean and, and sea. A lot of times you see where it's peaceful and restful. But there are other pictures where you have a boat and there comes these terrible, turbulent waves that's riding over it in many boats. Thousands and thousands of boats have sunk to the bottom of the seas. Thousands and thousands, probably millions of people have lost their lives in the sea. People have drowned in lakes and rivers and streams and we, we hear of that. And usually the, in the Bible uh, there's a symbol of restlessness of the ocean, the seas. That's what I think about it. It would be nice to take a nice little Sunday afternoon ride in a boat. I don't want to go way out in the middle of the sea, would you? Because who knows what's next on the horizon in the next hour you know uh, and so you're talking about the winds and the the tides and everything you fight against no sea no oceans but maybe there is but it's not like this turbulence never again i don't know but I think this idea of no seas is even if there was no seas, you say, "I love that. I wanted to fish in the sea. Oh, God can always draw up a sea for you." Um, what if it? You know, I, you know. I've had people ask that. Well, I'd like to go to the beach. Matter of fact, a guy that I talked to this week, I think I was talking a little bit about on the text that we're dealing with. He's a Christian. And he said, Yeah, but I think he was joking more or less, but he says, I don't know about that idea of having no oceans. And, I'm going, and I wanted to challenge him, you know, and I said, Yeah, yeah, it may be uh, that we have no seas at all. Maybe we do, but I said, What if it meant we had no seas or no oceans? Well, if you're perfect, you're not going to miss that because God has something better. And you can think of all the things that are here on earth that you go through, and you'll say, oh, I'm going to miss that part of it. Cause that's not gonna be in heaven, and you go, that's like a kid, <laughs> you know, that has these little toys, you know, whatever. Whenever he's like three and four years old, and I'm looking at the the little guys back there, and you know, they're growing bigger, and I've got a feeling the same toys they played with when they were four are probably not playing with those same toys. Right, guys? (laughs) Or or they could be. And that wouldn't be wrong. I'm just kidding. But it's funny how things change. And if you're still doing with the toys, I can guarantee you when you're like Zach's age, you're probably not going to do that. Although Zach, I know he still kind of goes back looking no. up. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you are blowing the whole story. My illustration was horrible. Forgive me. Yes, I like to go back and play a little bit of Legos myself. You know, right? yeah, there we go. So let me erase that. That's not even in the Bible. That was worthless. Okay, we'll take That's an illustration. That was awful. I made it up as I go, and sometimes if, if I don't go by the script, that's where I get into trouble. So, okay, you got the idea, though, right? As poor as it was. Okay. So, are we are we through with the no see thing? Because a lot of people are bothered. Oh, I was telling about my friend, and I said, would it really bother you though, if everything is perfect? And he said, it. yeah, it probably wouldn't matter. Uh, or I'm not sure about that, whether he said that or not. He, <laughs> I was hoping he'd say that. Because it, it won't at that time. Okay, uh, we're on to number two. If you're keeping record, if you're looking at the outline there. Verse two, I've got this outline by verses. Can you believe I'd do that? And I saw, you know. Another saw. John saw, and he's been saying that all along, even in the judgments and such. And I saw the holy city from New, Jer- or New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Beautiful. Holy city coming down from heaven. In Isaiah 52, it spoke of Jerusalem. In Isaiah uh, Nehemiah eleven-one, spoke of that. In Daniel 9, it speaks about a holy city, Jerusalem, Holy City. Uh, In Matthew 4, 5, it talks about the Holy City. In Matthew 27, 53, it says the Holy City. Jerusalem has always been the Holy City set apart. So there's been an ancient Jerusalem that was the Holy City. There was uh, a Jerusalem uh, when Christ came. And that was a holy city. There is a Jerusalem now that's a capital city of Israel. It's still kind of like a holy city. It's been set apart. It's still there. There's really a Jerusalem there. You guys know about it. Think about that. That goes way back to ancient Bible times, doesn't it? But there's going to be a new Jerusalem. That old Jerusalem is going to be destroyed but a new Jerusalem. Uh, Revelation 3.12 talks about the holy city. In Revelation 22, the city itself is talked about. It's 1,500 cubic miles height with depth. Think about that for a moment. A city that is 1,500 miles wide, long, and height. Uh, I'll take it literally. All I can tell you is it's going to be huge. This is a city. We're not talking about, well, heaven is going to be 1,500. We're talking about Jerusalem is going to be that big. Kind of like from here to maybe, could I say, deep into Florida? That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Maybe all the way down to Key West or something. or getting close to that area. That would be a, a, maybe a, a length of it. With this, the same, you know, it's, what is it, uh, 800 miles, 750 miles to Denver? That's from here, that's about halfway. Uh California is probably somewhere around 1,500 miles, right? I need to get that out. But that's giving you an idea. That's a big city. Here's another thing to imagine. Can you imagine a holy city? I mean, today. Jeff City being a holy city. Mm. It's a nice place to live. Westphalia, a holy city. Mm. No. (laughs) Tipton, a holy city? No. Nobody's saying no here, but uh, it's not really holy. Uh, How about New Bloomfield or Holt Summit? Not holy at all. St. Louis? (laughs) No, not at all. How about Kansas City? Holy city? No. Okay. Columbia. Columbia, holy city. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you say, Holy cow, what's <laughs> going on there? Okay, uh the thing is that Jerusalem has always been a holy city, being set apart by God, but there will ultimately be a holy city that we will actually experience. Matter of fact, all of heaven will be holy, ever the whole universe will be holy. Oh, please, God. This is the holy city. Someday when God creates a whole new infinite universe, that the third heaven, which is where He abides now, there won't be any need to destroy that. That's where He abides. That, that's the new Jerusalem. That's the place that's being built. Uh, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In that house are many rooms. The old King James said mansions, but rooms are better. And that is the translation. It means we are all attached on to the same place where God lives. However that house is or whatever, do we live in a like a roof and such? I don't know. But wherever God is, we're going to be there, and so it's not like we're going to be in some kind of mansion over on Pluto or something like that. We could visit anywhere we want in the whole universe. You know, go, go and be my guest, but where, are you, where do you live? You live with God in the same house, in the same dwelling, in the same place. Uh, so uh, that's going to come down to descend into the midst of of a new universe that he's created. You have a new Jerusalem that's been there, but it descends down. It comes into it does not come into existence because it's already been there. I go to prepare a place for you. He's building that. It's there now. It's not that he's going to destroy that and then rebuild again, right? So that's why a new Jerusalem is not new in the sense that just like the new heavens and new earth it is new it's different than the old Jerusalem but it's it descends from God to the new heaven the new earth he's preparing a place for us now he is the designer he's the architect he is the builder of this perfect place Christ the designer right Whew. Uh, wow, well, uh, Ezekiel chapter one. Uh, there's a, a lot here in Ezekiel, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read a few verses here, and I'm going to skip some. But in Ezekiel two or, uh, one, verse 22. Now, over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse like the awesome gleam of crystal. What happens when light hits glass, a diamond, crystal? It refracts and you get all the colors of the spectrum or rainbow spread out over their heads. And then uh, let's skip on to verse 25. And there came a voice from above the expanse that was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Um, 26, now above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne like lapis lazuli in appearance and on that which resembled a throne. High up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upwards something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire, and there was a radiance around him. As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of Yahweh. And I saw it. I fell on my face. Heard a voice speaking. He just saw something that. How do you describe this? Everybody's familiar with a rainbow, right? It was something like that. I'm telling you, he said, it's much of that. This is like the description we get in Revelation 1. This vision of God, of Christ. Is going to blow our glorified minds. We're going to go, wow! And there will probably be reason to say, "Oh God!" How many times do you see designers that you know take a a, a house that is just in just terrible disarray, and they turn it into a beautiful place? And people come back to see what their home looks like. And you have got somebody saying, "Oh God!" And Me and Carolyn look at it. They, she saw God. You know, and really, you shouldn't be saying that because they're not talking about God. It's really a curse word. It's a it's a useless. But that's the best that they can describe this beautiful thing that they're saying that they can't believe. Used to it used to be, oh gosh, you know, uh, the best that I could probably come up with is, wow, <laughs> oh wow beautiful, Mm, this is amazing, you know, you can't come up with enough words, you know, this is really awesome, (laughs) well, John felt that way and so he kind of gave a description in the best human terms that he given, he was given by the Holy Spirit and until we get out of these bodies, we can't understand that and everything that I'm talking about here today, but we got a pretty good idea, don't we, that is true and that is right. Um, we get this bride now. Um, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Does that make sense? Made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. What's the most exciting day of uh, a woman's life? They always remember their wedding day, or at least at that time it is. Now there might be other times that come along that exceed that, but I mean that is really what they've been looking for all along. To get married to their prince. And shortly thereafter they find out their prince is, not, is really a dud. <laughs> and He's not what they expected. And sorry to say that. It's not always the case. Matter of fact, it should be the other way around. We all find out that we're in love more than ever before, but in reality, uh, you know, human life and all the things that go with it, we don't always see the best in them that we thought that the way that they were supposed to be. We put it in our own minds. Uh, but I can tell you, what you think in your own mind, what heaven is now, it is going to be so much better than you can even mm-hmm. imagine. Because... This is remarkable that he would use that analogy, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. New Jerusalem is coming down. Why the the bride thing? Well, according to Ephesians five, he gave an analogy, you know, to man and wife, husband and wife, and really it was it is a picture of the church and Christ, right? Everybody knows that passage. I'm not even going to turn there at uh, this moment, but if you've been to the weddings we've been at, we always use that for some reason. But it's a great text. And it's really showing what really wedding and bride and bridegroom is really about. It's pointing to the triune God. That's really the meaning of it. Now, when you got big uh Married, there was three tenses really in the bride and the bridegroom's life uh, as it would be in this new kind of life. First of all, they'd be betrothed. Sometimes they'd be betrothed before they were ever even born. Parents would get together and say, "Hey, my, if I have a son and you have a daughter, we are covenanting together that they will be married." Now, that, that was the case in a lot of ways. Sometimes it would be after they're born. But it'd be decided. Not between the husband and the wife. Sometimes that would be. But in this, in this case, a lot of times it would be by the parents who made that decision. They would be betrothed. And we know about Joseph and Mary. And there was a betrothal there. It's an engagement. But it's as good as married. But it hasn't taken place. But they're faithful to each other. I mean, in that sense, but they they will not have relations in any way other than maybe knowing who they are a little bit. Uh, see, God put this in His plan long before the foundation of the world. We were betrothed to Him long before there was creation. You see, He chose us to be the bride of the Son, Jesus Christ. The eternal Son. He chose to be to have you to be married to him in eternity forever yeah that's when it happened. In our modern theology it's say, well it's whenever I trusted Christ whenever I said yes because I, I had some intelligence here that would do that. you've got to think further than that folks. and what we read this morning our will would never ever do that it cannot. Ephesians. Talks about that. It, it can a Romans. It cannot Romans eight. So there's a betrothal. Then there's a presentation, and that is when the church goes up to meet Christ in heaven and gets a glorified body. They they are now presented. That's the bride. They have the the bride to come. And then there is the consummation where they now dwell together in all aspects. They are now one. Why does he describe the city in this way? Because the city contains the bride. Do you get that? The holy city, Jerusalem, is a bride that comes down to go into the new heavens and new earth to meet that, it's above, it's there, it's contained. The city is made up of all believers. His bride. The city. The bride. Same thing. God's whole purpose was to get a bride for His Son. Revelation 19.7, we've already kind of looked at that. Glorious passage. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. We are being made holy. Holy. But we are obeying Him, so it's our actions, but it's His power that allows us to be able to even want to do that, to do that. We are made ready. That's the purpose. The church comes down to earth when Jesus, I mean, uh, the church, is with Christ. We come down to earth. He makes His judgment there, brings on His kingdom. And all throughout that kingdom, there's a final ceremony of the Married Supper of the Lamb. All the saints are collected and gathered in. They become all-encompassing. So does the bride become all-encompassing in the eternal state. Through that kingdom and then ultimately throughout all of eternity. All throughout The bride, the perfect bride of Christ. It'll be never less, a little less than perfect. The bride will always be perfect. Pure white. Number three. And we're almost done. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but really I should have spent the whole time on this verse. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice. He's been saying, Now he hears a loud voice from the throne saying, I think this could possibly be God Himself. It could be an angel. But here's a voice. It says, Behold. And whenever God says, Behold, what does He mean? Attention! <laughs> Catch this. Watch this. The tabernacle of God is among men. Now he doesn't just say that once. Look at this whole verse. The tabernacle is among men. The tabernacle of God is among men. And He will dwell among men them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. It's like saying, Do you get it? Do you really get he's gonna be he's gonna be with us. He he's gonna be among us. He's going really, he's going to be there. He's going to be among us. Yeah you've already said that he's going to be do you get you don't get it. He's going to be right here with us forever. Do we know that? Yes. Blessed assurance, right? But He wants you to get the reality. I heard this. God said this. I'll be amongst you. God will be amongst you. I will live with you. You will always be with me. You will see me. I don't think we still get it. And I'm not going to say that anymore. I'll try not to. But he says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God. We could go back and trace the history of the tabernacle. Tabernacle was something that God put in the wilderness for man to get a sense that God was there. Cloud by day, fire by night. They moved the tabernacle, which is a tent. That was the children of Israel, uh, Moses' time. And they'd move it about and set it there in the wilderness. Later on, the tabernacle developed into a more permanent place, a temple. And the temple's been kind of replaced. And then by the time of Jesus, it was a glorious temple, one of the great wonders of the world. And that temple resembled the place of God, the dwelling place of God. That's the idea. And so Jesus was there, and he said that really, uh, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled or pitched a tent. There's the old tabernacle that goes all the way back to Moses. He now is the tent that is amongst people. And then later on He says, we are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Christ dwells in us. We dwell in Him. So we are now the representatives of Christ, the temples here on earth. And then one day, there will be a temple that is of no building. No body except for God Himself. Revelation 22, we'll talk about that. We won't even talk about it at this time because most of this is leading us up to what next week and the next few weeks will be. God will no longer be far off. Emmanuel, remember the angel was speaking to Joseph? He, and I want you to name him Emmanuel, taken right out of Isaiah. Emmanuel, God with us. That was fulfilled. Matthew picked up on it and wrote it, God with us, Emmanuel, which is what the prophets had spoken about, which uh, Isaiah had mentioned. God will no longer be far off. God will no longer have His home away from us even though we know He lives here. We still don't see Him. And He's saying here, He's going to be among us. He's going to dwell among us. He's going to pitch His tabernacle among us. We're all in it together. And we shall see God. We don't have to go anywhere to see God. He will be the temple. We don't have to go to a building because He is the temple. No building. 21 and 20, uh, twenty-one, verse 22, no building. He Himself is the temple. We live right with Him. We see the word dwell constantly there. It means the very presence of God. It's the idea of back in the wilderness, Shekinah, Shekinah glory. Um, John keeps saying the same thing because it's so unimaginable to him as we read this. Uh, he, he'll dwell among them. He'll be with you. It's God there in person. God Himself is going to be there. That's the whole point of our message today. And I've said it enough that I think it sticks here and don't forget it. Well, I don't think we do. How can we? We finished this and I promise I'm going to read this and we're going to pray. John 17 verse 24 and this is his prayer. He's praying to the Father the night before or the time just a few hours before that they're going to arrest him and crucify him the next day. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, whom you gave me, the bride, these disciples, these apostles, and all believers from here on out actually. So it's, it's about us too. That they be with me where I am. Why? Here we go so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. He was restored back to his glory. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. The answer to prayer has been given. This probably would have been a very good time to have communion i didn 't have it uh, get set up. I really should have thought about that more, but this is all about communion in twenty one and twenty two be a great picture of doing it, so be ready for maybe the next time when we can get a text that it all's going to fit. This is ultimate communion when we do it here it 's just a symbol. But it has more than a symbol. It's a meaning, as Calvin said, and really ultimately, it's like God being with us, among us. But we know what we just read. There will be a day when we will be with Him all the time in the closest communion that we can possibly have. Perfect. It's amazing. Folks, I ask a question. Do you know where you're headed? This is where we are headed. Father, great God, thank You for giving us this truth this morning no matter what each one of us is going through and dealing with. And right now, we're just having a great time in our lives studying Your Word, but we know there's reality of this earth that is sinful that has to be done away with. And I am so thankful, Lord. That there will no longer be an earth and a heaven like it is. It's going to change drastically by you. Lord, thank you for this time that we've had. And we are looking to that time. In the meantime, help us. And whenever we get really down and distraught, that we look at this passage or think thereof of the dwelling in heaven. That's where you want our minds anyway. Lord, at the same time, we pray for Dave and Debbie, who are going through quite a test, quite quite the trial there, Lord, and we we know that it's it's painful. It's uh, something that is maybe a mystery that has to be figured out by the doctors. Give them wisdom of what to do and how to do it. Uh, we know that uh, we still we still need Dave and Debbie, and we pray for uh, D- Debbie's. Comfort, and we know that she has comfort in you. She knows, she trusts you. Same time, she has concerns for others, ones that are in her family. And we know we'd pray for Dave and where he's at as far as knowing the Lord. And uh, Lord, those prayers uh, we've said all through down the years. We would want all the families that that we know of, the kids that have small kids, young kids, to kids who've grown up. We pray for them all that they will know You. And uh, despite all the turbulence, that ultimately You bring all of us right on into this glorious place because we just are going to have the most tremendous time that will never stop. We pray this in Your Son's name. Amen.